What do you picture when you think of aging well? Daily energy and vitality, a healthy sex life, maintaining your ability to heal and regenerate. Berkeley Life's team of nitric oxide experts are dedicated to making products that make these visions a reality. Their once-a-day supplement supports nitric oxide levels in your body. It's one of my personal solutions to better cardiovascular health. You can access it when you head to agewellbl.com Hoffman and use offer code Hoffman at checkout. Nitric oxide is a foundational molecule for health and is responsible for supporting a healthy cardiovascular and circulatory system. It's never too early to start aging well. Head to agewellbl.com Hoffman and use offer code Hoffman at checkout for 10% off your first order and free shipping. That's agewellbl.com Hoffman for Berkeley Life Nitric Oxide Support Supplements. agewellbl.com Hoffman. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As many of you Intelligent Medicine listeners know, I'm a real fanboy of the latest, greatest nutritional supplements. And I'm sure that one of the reasons that you listen to Intelligent Medicine is so that you can keep abreast of the latest trends in supplement technology. Uh, it's always a wonderful learning experience for me, and I hope it is for you as we explore uh, new supplements that uh, have plausible scientific background. Today, we're going to discuss uh, several uh, in the lane of what are called senolytics. Senolytics are things that uh, delay aging, have an anti-aging effect. And we're always looking for that uh, Ponce de Leon, uh, holy grail, uh, natural substance that can be uh, truly an anti-aging panacea. Uh, we're on the verge of uh, some new discoveries that will really influence, I think, uh, the whole anti-aging technology. And today we're going to talk to an expert on that subject. He's Dr. Matthew Yusuf Zadeh. He's a PhD with the Institute on the Biology of Aging and Metabolism at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis, where they do lots. It seems to be a center for anti-aging uh, research. Uh, Dr. Yusuf Zadeh has published more than 20, I'm sorry, more than 30 scientific publications uh, with a, a focus on cellular senescence and aging. Uh, in 2021, the Aging Cell Best Paper Award for his paper on senescent cell accumulation. And uh, he's uh, coined a term that we're going to explore, uh, or he's been part of the popularization of this term. Uh, it's zombie cells. And the accumulation of zombie cells may be an important facet of aging. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Yusuf Zadeh. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Indeed. Well, you, got, you have a wonderful story uh, to tell. Uh, so, so first of all, uh, how, how did you uh, become a lead researcher on what are termed senescent cells? And perhaps you can define that for us. Sure. So first to start off with, senescent cells are these dysfunctional cells that can accumulate in our bodies with age. And they typically, they start out as a normal cell that undergoes some form of stress 
and they sort of reach a critical threshold of stress. And then they enact sort of a molecular program that allows them to survive, but they no longer are able to proliferate and proliferate and divide, excuse me. So they're no longer making, dividing and making new cells, um, which is great because this could be a stress cell that might eventually become a cancer cell. Mm-hmm. The only problem is these cells tend to hang around in our bodies for a long time. They're actually resistant to cell death and they can cause inflammation, which can cause them to spread. And so that's why they've actually been nicknamed zombie cells. Wow. Okay. Well, there's an image right there. So this is, in effect, uh, cellular baggage that we carry around. These cells are are, are not uh, functioning to support us. So they're just sort of hanging out. Uh, perhaps they're uh, an energy drain on our bodies. And uh, we really need to figure out a way to either prevent their development uh, or perhaps uh, reinvigorate them, uh, bring them back from a zombie-like state, or, or perhaps uh, help to program them for normal cell death. I believe there, there's a word for it. It's apoptosis. Yes, exactly. They're resistant to apoptosis. Yes. Yeah, so so it, it, they just stick around and stick around and stick around. Uh, so, uh, so this type of research, I think, is really the tip of the spear for uh, not just people looking at nutraceuticals, but also people looking at uh, patentable drugs, right? Exactly. And senescence is itself has been around for around 60 years, but the concept of targeting senescent cells for therapeutic purposes has really only been developed in the last decade, not even the last decade. So it's a relatively young field. Indeed. And so you're involved with an outfit called SRW Laboratories. So what, what are you doing for them? So I'm a scientific advisor for SRW Laboratories. I was reached out to by Greg McPherson, the founder, and they take a a science and data-driven approach to their supplements. And he was interested in senolytics, so drugs that target the senescent or zombie cells for elimination. And one of the compounds that I had worked on is called facetin. It's a natural product that has been shown to be a, a, a senolytic. And it's actually what's found in uh, strawberries and other fruits. Right. So if you eat a lot of strawberries, you're going to get some facetin. But is a dietary facetin enough to uh, have a a profound effect on these zombie cells or do you have to uh, synthesize it or concentrate it, standardize it and offer it in a pill? Yeah, that's a really good question. And unfortunately, the fact is you're either going to go broke from eating strawberries or you're going to learn to hate strawberries. Right. There's not enough facetin in the strawberries to give you a biological benefit. So your only way you're going to achieve the biological benefit of facetin is through supplementation. So when it comes to these zombie cells, are is it just simply age-related? Is everybody destined to carry a burden of zombie cells, or are there certain conditions or certain lifestyle factors that predispose to make people more burdened with these zombie cells? Short answer, yes, but long answer is... These are stress cells that accumulate in our body with age as well as, you know, pre-existing conditions. So certain conditions can enhance the, the burden of these cells in our body, such as obesity or inflammatory conditions, possibly autoimmunity, um, as well as you can even other stresses like viral infections can induce senescent cells in our body. 
So you know, they, they're basically naturally accumulating with age. You, and for the longest time, we thought senescent cells actually just tracked with aging. But then over the last 10 to 15 years, we actually found out they're a causative factor of aging. Uh, and it was shown that basically getting rid of these cells in animals caused them to live longer and increase what's called health span or the period of disease-free survival, which is really our health span is sort of our quality of life period of living. So it actually materially affects uh, well-being, uh, not just uh, your your lifespan. Uh, you know, when uh, there's an overaccumulation of these cells, uh, you basically uh, run out of juice. Oh, yes. It, it, it affects the physiology. So everything from metabolic parameters, uh, physical function, transplantation of these cells into animals could cause frailty. So there's there's, there's a strong uh, body of evidence for the causative role of senescence in aging and driving aging. And what they do is these senescent cells, they, they actually turn on pathways to evade apoptosis just like cancer cells do, hmm. except they're no longer able to divide, and which isn't bad enough. But in the meantime, they're also producing tons of inflammatory material, these inflammatory cytokines and chemokines and other factors that are released into the bloodstream and they can cause cells adjacent to them or very far away in sort of an endocrine fashion to become senescent or at least just damage them. And so this can really impact tissue homeostasis. And this low-grade inflammatory environment is what's known as inflammaging, where you have sterile mm -hmm. inflammation in the absence of a sort of a, path, a pathogenic infection. And this is known to strongly contribute to aging as well as disease. You, you mentioned there was a viral connection that viruses can sometimes uh, cause these senescent cells to proliferate. Is there any connection to uh, the, the long-term effects of COVID? You know, so many of us have <clears throat> experienced COVID uh, and many people are experiencing uh, deficits, long COVID. Yeah, so we... We got interested in senescence and infection and inflammation. And what we found is, so your senescent cell burden accumulates with our, not only our chronological age, which is the number on our driver's license, but the biological age as well too. And what we saw is that the senescent cell buildup in the elderly animals is almost priming them to release massive amounts of inflammation and they sort of need the match to spark the fire. And in this case, it could be a bacterial infection, it could be a viral infection, and it drives this release of inflammation or a cytokine storm, which was what was seen in COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And to, to test this out, we actually did this uh, with animals uh, using a beta coronavirus and saw that the elderly animals uh, had very poor survival after a uh, coronavirus infection. But if you were to either pre-clear the senescent cell burden by mm. treating with facetin or therapeutically treat them with facetin after the induction of viral infection, you could significantly increase survival. So, so that's very, so in, in effect, it's, it's a bulwark against the 
very deleterious effects of uh, viral infections. I mean, the virus itself for many people, relatively benign, you know, they just have a mm-hmm. you know, few days of downtime, you know, they watch a lot of Netflix and uh, maybe take some Tylenol. Uh, and then, you know, after uh, a couple of weeks, they're fine. Uh, but then some people go into that, that uh, circling the drain phenomenon of cytokine storm. Yep. Uh, become hospitalized, go on a respirator, and ultimately succumb. And what you're saying is that if you are preloaded with Fizetin or some of these other promising, I'm sorry, I, I, I reverting to my original pronunciation, Fizetin, I pronounced it Fizetin, never, never having heard it, having just <laughs> read it and never having heard it pronounced by a scientist. Uh, if you preload them with some of these uh, nutraceuticals, that that may have a, a mitigating effect on the, on the bad outcomes. Yes, you're you're sort of ridding your body of some of these senescent cells, so you're eliminating the source or partially eliminating the source of that cytokine storm. So, in effect, you're sort of, in a way, reducing the amount of symptoms or the 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 uh, deleterious effects after effects of the viral infection, and enhancing chances for survival or increasing uh, or shortening the recovery period. Wow, that, that's that's really exciting. And, and of course, uh, this might be universally applicable uh, for infectious diseases because, uh, you know, COVID, a relatively new phenomenon, but, you know, well before COVID, we had periodontal infections, chronic sinusitis, uh, all manner of uh, mm-hmm. respiratory infections, Epstein-Barr virus, and, you know, the list is endless. That you're exactly right, and that's something that I think a lot of people, when they saw our initial work, they just overlooked it. They saw COVID, and the rest of it is we're really excited because with age, there tends to be people, unfortunately, succumb to infections or sepsis, and this may be something that could work for pneumonia or acute respiratory distress syndrome. You know, senescent cells, we have to sort of investigate more of how they play a role in this, but senescence and senolytics uh, could be a window into maybe treating some of these acute uh, infections. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share an important message with you. Here goes. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce the Plus CBD Reserve Collection, a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids. Rich and bold, the Reserve Collection products elicit strong feelings of calm, comfort and relief when intense support is needed. Enjoy a deeper CBD experience with Plus CBD's reserve collection of oils and gummies. All of their products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. And with a 90-day satisfaction guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new reserve collection. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They are what make Intelligent Medicine a free resource to you. And now back to today's guest, Dr. Matthew Youssef Zadet. Now, much of this work has been done in experimental animals, necessarily. It's a prelude to uh, application to humans. Uh, Have there been any uh, human trials with uh, uh, facetin? So, facetin is currently 
in clinical trials for frailty, uh, COVID-19, as well as osteoarthritis. Hmm. And so those are ongoing investigator-initiated clinical trials. But senolytics are also in clinical trials for a number of different conditions. Diabetic uh, kidney disease, macular degeneration, uh, enhancement and efficacy of stem cell transplantation, um, even Alzheimer's disease. I believe there's currently a clinical trial for. Wow. So there's a bit of a, a buzz around this. And, you know, traditionally what happens uh, when you come up with something promising like resveratrol, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, uh, you know, buys a, a lab like they did with uh, Dr. Davidson. Searchers, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they invest an uh, enormous amount of money trying to tweak the molecule into some sort of drug, which can be patented. Uh, is this mm-hmm. is this direction things are taking or is it uh, f- uh, facetin, uh the natural form, uh, something that, uh, you know, meets meets the criteria for general application? So facetin is really one of the, the lead compounds, or especially it's really the only natural product, synotherapeutic that's in, or senolytic that's involved in clinical trials. And it's really, these are some proof of concept studies showing efficacy and biological benefit. Um, I can't say for certain that it will be the, you know, the end runner for regulatory approval. There may be, uh, derivatives or analogs of facetin made sort of new chemical entities that show better uh, potency or uh, better bioavailability than facetin. It is sort of an insoluble compound. Um, So there could be some reworking of it. Mm -hmm. But right now, it's just sort of exciting to see a natural product that's having a a strong biological effect, at least in preclinical studies. So so in in, uh, practical applications, uh, the go-to is to uh, an over-the-counter uh, nutritional supplement that uh, doesn't require FDA approval. I mean, merely meets the requirement to register as a supplement, but is not something that's got to go through, uh, you know, the very rigorous trials that uh, FDA demands for medication. Correct. Yeah. That, so it's sort of people and people have been taking facetin for a long time. I think it was originally kind of broke through the supplement market. People were very interested in it for cognitive enhancement mm-hmm. was sort of what I had read and some of the history of it. And interestingly, it has been shown in preclinical studies to have a benefit with some Alzheimer's animal models as well, too. Exciting. Right, because the, the burden of those zombie cells uh, mm-hmm. might uh, affect the functioning of, of the brain because, you know, you want all those circuits to be working and, you know, energetically efficient. And if you got a, your brain is burdened Basically, with a lot of gunk, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cells that aren't responsive and don't uh, aren't metabolically active, that's a drag on your cognition, right? Right, and so facetin doesn't fit sort of the, the pharma model wants one drug, one target. Exactly, and facetin is kind of it's actually a dirty drug. It hits multiple things. So, mm-hmm. in addition to sort of functioning as a senolytic, it has anti-inflammatory properties mm-hmm. as well as can uh, have some antioxidant properties where it stimulates production of glutathione. Right. So, using the word dirty, that doesn't have a negative connotation. Actually, the fancy word for that is is something that's pleiotropic, which means it has multiple foci of activity. So, Mm -hmm. uh, that would be, you know, the way they design drugs is like 
very specific purpose. For example, statins. Well, it turns out statins, uh, you know, not only lower cholesterol, they may have some off-target effects, some beneficial effects, you know, in terms of being anti-inflammatory, um, not without some downsides because they do uh, have adverse effects in people. So that's what you mean by a dirty drug. In other words, well, I think we can almost use the word panacea-like, you know, because it works across yeah. uh, multiple fronts. I think I think I should say it uh, is a better refinement of the word would be a multi-target. There you go. Right. We, we don't want to make pie in the sky uh, predictions for it. But are, so are there any uh, companion nutrients that fulfill a similar function? Because in nature, you know, there's a lot of redundancy. It's usually not, you know, one thing does it all. Yeah. So the original synolytic combination was a mixture of desatinib, a cancer drug and quercetin, which is a polyphenol flavonoid. Mm -hmm. And it belongs to and flavonoids are a family of which facetin belongs to. And to discover facetin, we did it by actually screening for more potent versions of quercetin. And so we found facetin to be even more potent than quercetin, and it has synolytic activity on its own. Wow, well, I'm, I'm learning a lot today about pronunciation because I was going quercetin, quercetin, quercetin. And I guess and the scientific folks who study this say quercetin. Okay. So, uh, all right. I stay quercetin. No, I call it whatever you like. It's sort of tomato, tomato. Okay. We'll go with, you know. Okay. Um, <laughs> It could be my my mispronunciation, but I've just run with it for so long. Um, well, you don't you don't yes. you don't run a health food store, so you know when people you know ask for this stuff, they say, "Give me some quercetin." <laughs> <laughs> so. Exactly the, um, but yeah, and so I think the future, you know, one future thing that could be really positive for the synolytic field is taking natural products in a very rational and data driven approach and putting them in combination. And maybe and really looking for synergistic effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you know, hopefully, if if we're lucky, one plus one makes three and not two. Yeah. There you go. So, I mean, and that that has to be explored because there's so many different permutations. Uh, I want to pause at this point because, uh, as listeners know, we divide our podcast into two parts. And in part two, you know, we're going to talk more about uh, facetin, and we'll talk about uh, related senolytic compounds, compounds that uh, target and eliminate zombie cells. No, you don't want to be carrying around a lot of zombie cells because uh, you too soon will start feeling like a zombie <laughs> and won't remember how to tie your shoes. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Ronald Hoffman today with Dr. Matthew Yusuf Zadeh, uh, who is a PhD with the Institute on the Biology of Aging and Metabolism at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. Back with more in just a moment. <laughs> 